0: corner podcast my name is curtis wilson along with my co-host
1: brian Siegler. what's up buddy how you been
0: oh buddy i've had a absolutely wonderful weekend man
1: big birthday
0: big, big birthday weekend yes sir man took off friday um kind of thought i wasn't going to do anything but just chill around the house brother-in-law hits me up hey let's go play around the golf i'm like hey if your mom can watch my, the oldest? Hell yeah. She was advised to that. So went out to Sycamore Creek and played around, shot 100. Hey. Drove the ball beautifully. Just, like, was clicking, was putting great. The iron in the chipping game, not so great.
1: Ah. Might as well left your irons at home, then.
0: Yeah, I should have left the irons at home. Just just put,
1: just put it all in. He, he should have put it <laughs> driving in put.
0: <laughs> exactly. But it was still, you know, shot a 100 and looking at the four blow up holes where either the irons were terrible or the chipping was terrible. Probably feel like I could have got a 95 which would have been maybe my best round ever, man. And then uh Friday night did some hibachi takeout which was money. Um had baseball yesterday. Got a few more games of that left. Oh. And uh, just little Greek dinner with the uh, neighbors on Saturday night, man. So very low key. Oh, uh, wifey hit it at the ballpark. She has officially got me a beer fridge for the cave. There you go. Yes. The cycle so, is complete. <laughs> the cycle is complete. Like, you know, there's, there's really, I mean, if, if anybody ever gets kicked out of their house, feel free to reach out to me. I have a place you can rent. Um, no access to stoves, but, you know, TVs. Bring whatever. a hot plate. Exactly. <laughs> Microwave. How about you, man? How was your weekend?
1: It was low-key, man, and I, I, I really enjoyed it pretty much. Uh, we just kind of hung out on Friday and Saturday, and we went over to the neighbors tonight for dinner, had some, uh, some surf and turf, had some – New York strips and crab cakes.
0: Ooh, yeah. Very nice. Oh yeah. Very nice. Um, your wifey school tomorrow? No.
1: Oh yeah. Same. How about yours? You. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Same Back to it. So, yeah. yeah Same Tuesday. So, yeah. Sarah's doing all the trainings right now with her new her new job. So she's uh keeping busy getting everyone acclimated technology wise for all these new hybrids hybrid uh, class situations that's happening in the elementary and middle school and all that. So oh, yeah. um, it's going to be a, an adventure, but she's doing really well with it. So.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely an adventure form. Definitely something different. Um, I Tomorrow night we have another baseball game. So my wife probably won't be able to expunge the day one <laughs> grievances until about <laughs> nine tomorrow night. So, you know, you get prepped, you know. Our wives have been teaching long enough, though. That first week, it's there. You just, you, you, we're good husbands. You sit there, you listen. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and you don't say anything. So, you, yeah,
1: you, you have the ear, and then you, you know, hey, that, that's that's great, honey. Here's some wine,
0: exactly. <laughs> All right, well, guys, we have a ton of stuff to cover today. Um, then a few days, we were going to record last week. Uh, but, you know, life gets in the way between birthdays and while I was working and while I was back to school nights, we missed our opportunity. It is what it is. So we have a ton of stuff to cover, Brian. Let's kind of go back quite a few days now, which feels a long time. And that would be for Cannon Boone committing the offensive tackle six four two eighty out of Dickinson, Texas. I know this got you happy.
1: Yeah, big time, dude. So I was watching this guy's tape. Um, This is continuing the trend we've seen with guys that that Vice is trying to bring in. Um, Guys that really, at the high school level, already know how to run, block, and do it well. Um, This guy shows good promise with reaching, getting to the next level in blocking. Um, Showed a few uh, uh, powers where he was leading up in the hole. So, I mean, this guy can do a lot of different things from the tackle position. I'm not sure if he's going to end up tackle or guard for us, but I think he could probably do both, um, you know, depending on um, how he shows out his first year or two here. Um, but I really like his tape. I think he's going to be a really good acquisition uh, for us. And, you know, Vice continues to uh, find these diamonds in the rough here as uh, as the cycle closes out after, um, you know, missing on a couple more high profile guys at the start of the cycle.
0: Yeah. Now you talk about being diamond in the rough. I don't think I can consider him a diamond in the rough. He is, he's an 87. So he is that other side, high three. He's already kind of built. Um, He's a top 60 offensive tackle. You kind of start doing the math. There's yeah. You need two offensive tackles. That means essentially he, others one side or the other. He's a top 30 offensive. He's a top 30 tackle. Um, You know, His commitment list, kind of unusual, Arizona, Colorado, Purdue, excuse me, not commitment list, but his offer list, um, you know, Air Force, a few other schools like that. So he was getting some attention from your mid-P5 schools, um, also some, you know, some Houston's, your Navy's. So solid offer list. Um, Now, Brian, you mentioned you could see him guard or tackle. Now, if he goes tackle, is he left or is he right?
1: Uh, if he goes tackle, he's probably going to be uh, right tackle. Okay. Um, but I mean, I, the the tape I'm seeing on him uh, as far as pass blocking, it's good. He needs to clean up some technique, which I think Vice is really good at teaching. So I think that's not a big problem. Um, and like I said, Vice seems to be one to find guys that are already pretty polished from a run blocking standpoint. May may need to clean up yeah. technique. But really know how to how to get after it, have the mean streak, and have those intangibles that you need to be a good run blocker. And he's gonna you know kind of polish up that uh, that pass pro. Um, so like I said, I, I think he would he would slot in pretty good at right tackle. Um, but going back to the the dominant the rough thing, I mean, yeah, you're talking about top sixty, but again, this is a guy from Texas, and kind of sometimes you know once you fall out of a certain certain number in that state, you all of a sudden get, get kind of lost in the shuffle there a little bit, and I feel like that's kind of what happened to this guy.
0: Okay, I got what you mean by that, that certain states where if you start slipping past 60, 70 in some of the bigger more talent-rich states, you kind of lose the eyes because uh, I think me and you talked what it would be 17 if he was in the state of Virginia, he would yeah. be 17. Yeah. So a top 20 here, he's 105 there. So clearly... I got what you're saying about that. Um, Brian, the delay in all the crap happening in our lives last week, I actually was able to sneak this one in. Yeah. <laughs> the 13 All-American by Phil Steele, Illinois State cornerback Devin Taylor gets in the portal, transfers to Virginia Tech, 6'1", 200 pounds. Um, this is
1: a coup. <laughs>
0: did we just steal somebody and not for one year but two
1: years yeah th- this is a coup because this is a guy that was getting uh, draft buzz going into this year um, you know one of the best cornerbacks at the FCS level last year mm-hmm. and you know you just see all of a sudden he's in the portal because of everything going on with all these other schools and you know we need a corner after, after <laughs> Caleb opted out and this is a guy that come in. He's probably going to be talent-wise two or three on our on our roster in yeah. terms of talent. So, you know, right out the gate, that's a big acquisition. And looking at some of his tape, he had he played really well against uh, North Dakota State, and then he had a, a, a clips of uh, him going against Antonio Brown. Who?
0: The, Antonio yeah. Brown. Yeah. The, essentially, if he wasn't out of his mind, the best out in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> Shit. I did not see that. So you were breaking some news to me here. I mean, and I look at the guy and look at some of his stats last year 24 pass defended. I mean, that's like almost, that's over one and a half a game. Um, nine interceptions in his career. I mean, it is a coup. And if, if he, if clearly, you know, he's going to have to catch up on some camp stuff. But, you know, we're gonna get to some stuff later talking about his eligibility. We we got him, we got him for two. We've yeah. automatically got him for two years. So it helps with depth. I think we all feel good about Jermaine Waller. I think we all feel good about Armani. I think we feel good about Brian Murray. Now we've like, hey, we have got, we are now, we were down one, now we're back to where we're at the comfy level. So I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it.
1: Yeah, like I said, I don't think we're quite getting the top end that we, were, we would have had with Caleb, but we're oh. definitely getting a guy that you can immediately put in the lineup and feel comfortable with. That's awesome. All right, so let's move on. A couple
0: guys this week got some rankings. Start with Bryce Goodner. Um, Bryce Goodner gets an 86 from 247, 85, 81 composite. He goes national. He is top 800. He is a top 50 guard and he's moved into the top 25 of the state of Tennessee. Are you shocked by this, Brian?
1: Absolutely not. This is about where I, I think I had him uh, plugged when we talked about him last uh, taping. Um, 86 is a good number for him. I feel really good about that. Um, I, I had him somewhere between an 85 and an 87, so that's that's right in that, that range that I was Did looking you? at. And, you know, I, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a big impact guy, and he's going to be a guard for us. So, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with that position. Um, I think I just saw someone mention that uh, they started uh, had their first game this week, and he was he's playing guard this year for his high school versus tackle that he played uh, last year. So we'll get to see some more tape on him playing the position that he'll be playing for us now. Absolutely,
0: and, and it's good to hear that. So he's moved from that tackle into the guard. Remember. In the interview with Sunday Saturday, he said Vice wants him at center. I know he mentioned he's taking snaps at practice and staying extra, but just getting inside, I think that helps him even more get acclimated to it. Now, Brian, another guy got a ranking too, and I, I believe you're probably going to be baffled by this one Malachi Thomas, the Hart County running back, 86 for 247 with an 84.98 in the composite. Uh, Shocked.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure why his composite ends up being lower, because I want to say his uh, two numbers from the other two um, publications are the same as what Goodner's was, and he's also getting the same 247 ranking, yet his composite is lower. But 247 probably has about a point or two lower than I would have liked to have seen I could have seen him going as high as an 88, just based on um, the output that he's had and the the dynamic abilities that he has, because he's he's definitely that all-purpose guy. But he's also a guy that can, um, you know, do things in the in the passing game. I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit higher number on there. That would have definitely helped us um, in terms of overall class ranking. But 86 is a good number, and considering he got you know wasn't ranked a month ago, now all of a sudden. You know, he's dropping an 86 on you. That's pretty good.
0: It is. And I think it kind of shocked some of us of that number because of his accolades. Yeah. I mean, he, he's also, he's not undersized, six foot, 180. That's a typical high school size running back. It's not like he's 5'7", 116 doing these numbers. Yeah. And, and I think the state of Georgia is playing like the state of Tennessee. So potentially he could get a nice bump. Now from these guys bumping, we have ascended essentially – in the composite rankings, which oh. <sighs> composite rankings I don't I don't really look at composite rankings.
1: Composite is what is what we're looking at for the class size, but yeah. if we're really looking at it, it'd
0: it's be 35. nice if we
1: could get something better in the uh, just just looking at the two four seven, um, you know, the ones in the square box there, and not the big number.
0: Exactly, um. <laughs> and
1: that's the one I look at. The,
0: the people look at the big number, the thirty nine. We 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 broke in the forties. I look at the little number. We're at thirty four. And with some targets out there that probably can push us over into the top 30, maybe into the top 25, we shall see. Um, So, again, folks who listen, if you look at 247, don't look at the big number. Look at the little number. We trust 247 more. They're constantly evaluating. They're constantly updating. ESPN sets theirs about eight months in advance. They never change. They might rank someone if they commit somewhere. Similar with Rivals, two four seven stays on the game. That's why they're the best in the business right now.
1: Yeah, two four seven, you're, you're pretty much getting some sort of refresh every month or couple months um, down the road. Whereas, I mean, Rivals is going to, you know, can go six months without really taking a really good evaluation, especially in this dead period where they haven't been able to do the camps like they normally do, mm-hmm. and that's what they base a lot of their rankings on is the camps. Yeah. Um, so. You know, rivals, especially this year, is even less trustworthy than they would be at another given time. And then ESPN is pretty much all about, you know, who's offering these players, and that's what they base their rankings on.
0: <laughs> exactly. All right, let's move on. Um, Brian, what the fuck is UNC doing?
1: Uh, everything wrong.
0: Hey, everything. First of all, I I feel like I read somewhere, did they not test? the kids as they were coming back on the campus. Did I read that right? They are not testing the students
1: as they come back on campus, right? That is correct. They, they suggested having a um, negative test to come on campus, but it was not a mandate. So you're idiots.
0: That's one piece. At least the next thing you could do is when they get to campus, part of their get on campus is get your butt over here and take the test. We need to figure out if you're negative or positive. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech was doing that. The Lane Stadium thing. Oh, you're checking in today? Cool. Get moved in. Go to Lane Stadium. Walk in ditch your test and try to stay until you hear back from us. Yeah. They're getting more and more clusters. They've already went online. Um, some kids are pushing back. Their kids were out there. You know, they said they were in at bars over in Raleigh. NC State's also went online only. And, you know, as much as you want to say, well, it's the kid's fault, they're idiots for doing that, they're 18 to 22-year-old kids, the administrations of those universities screwed the pooch. Yeah. Because um, here's what they're not giving those kids back. They're not giving them back that, uh, that housing money. They're nope. not getting that back. Nope. And if I'm a kid, I'm almost going to be like, screw you guys, I'm staying here. Well, you have to be on campus. No, I'm not. I have How, paid you, money. You write me a check $5,000? <laughs> Fuck you.
1: I have Sorry. paid money. I have paid money. You will let me live here. What
0: are you gonna do? You gonna kick me out? or we're requiring people to kick out. Um, no, I wrote you a five thousand dollar check. You wanna write me that check back? I will be more than glad to leave.
1: It's like you know, you already played this shit last semester, and we get the mitigating circumstances. But you yeah. had you had five months to prepare for this one, Hoss.
0: Yep. Exactly. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on, because the NCAA, on my birthday. Holy voted, shit. On my birthday, <laughs> votes to grant the extra year of eligibility to all Division One fall athletes. So, basically, wherever you are right now is where you get to be next year this time. There is so much to divulge on this, Brian. I have a feeling we we've had one of our... Uh, one of our guys out in the Twitter sphere reach out to us about doing an episode.
1: I think we will be because there, dude, there's, there's there's a lot of pieces to this. Um, I'm just gonna say it right now, like from a moral perspective, it's the right call. But from a logistical perspective, holy shit, it's gonna be a clusterfuck. And do we trust anything the NCAA wants to do right now? No, because the NCAA will mandate this and then be like, y'all figure this shit out. That's the problem. The problem isn't, again, from a moral perspective, it's a good move because you don't know what's going to happen this year. You go ahead, before you even get to that step, you say, okay, well, here's the extra year of eligibility. But the problem is is that the NCAA is not going to say, this is how it needs to be implemented with as minimal gray area as possible. You know that's not going to happen. You know they're going to say... Conferences, figure it out. Have fun. You get in trouble if you figure it out wrong, but you get to figure it out. You get to figure it out.
0: Yeah, I I have. It's just one of those, you just shake your head at because you just don't know, you know, what, what, what in the world. Like, again, it's granted it's fine, but it's already there's not enough thought about. By all means, if they had done anything in the prior five months leading up to this season in mandates, we would probably be like, hey, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out before probably the end of the season how it's going to be done. Zero confidence in that. No. Now, Brian, a few days before that, Mr. Blackshear got his waiver disproved. Denied. So, wait a second. Change. He can get an extra year – Again, the logistical stuff makes no sense because you think if this is what you're coming down with, why aren't you just holding all these guys transfer waivers and just saying, basically, when we announce this, everybody can play this year? But why are
1: you still punishing kids in a season you're saying doesn't count eligibility-wise anyway? Exactly, it doesn't fucking count. (sighs) Um. Anyway, but you know that that's the NCAA for us, and I mean at this point. You know, we've had three that we submitted a um, initial um, waiver requests for. We've had two now counting uh, Blackshear that we've submitted appeals for. Um, previously, Brock's was not, uh, not approved both initial and appeal. Yeah. We'll see what comes out for Blackshear here with his appeal. Um, based on some of the word that we've received um, from a compliance side of things, it seems like this one is a little more straightforward in terms of what the, what was needed for the appeal to be approved. So I think they feel confident in that, but at the same time, until it happens, I'm not going (laughs) to give them anything because I have no, I have zero confidence in the NCAA approving it. And at this point, I don't know whether it's an issue with our compliance team being mom and pop versus having, you know, big time lawyers up on this thing or, or whatever it is but the NCAA just does not like us for one reason or another. What, what's your take on that, man? Uh, this is what you, 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 we, that we, have fig- that we
0: have to figure I don't think we have to figure out, but we have to just speculate the hell out of it. Either they hate us, or, again, you said it, is our compliance team mom and pops that simply can't do this legal work right to make this smooth as possible. Um, now, clearly, I, I think it's somewhere in between. Yeah. Because if we were screwing up things really bad, I don't think the grad transfers would be getting immediate approval. I, I just, I think there would be something behind that, but they seem to go through pretty quick.
1: Unless they have C minuses. Yeah. <laughs>
0: hey, that's the academic side. Don't be on compliance <laughs> for that. We can talk to the academic people about that. Like, we that I'm night. just throwing that out
1: there, man. Sorry. Jesus.
0: But it's like, you see this happen, and it's like, okay, you have your compliance team. Okay. If you guys don't feel comfortable doing this, do we go to someone else? Do we have outside legal counsel? Yes. We should. <laughs> Keep them on retainer, fill it out in house, say, please look over this document. You save yourself money that way by not letting them do all of the fiscal paperwork, but they can look at it and say, here's your four screw ups, fix that, get it back to me, I'll check it and then run it through. Um, but again, it goes back to what we've heard a lot of stuff around. The internal work is very mom and pop. You got to get big boy. You got to get big boy on this because when you have kids of Raheem sheer skill sets, when you have kids that want to play for you and you can't get them on the field immediately, it deters, it deters. You could have some kid at one of the blue bloods. It's not getting playing time and saying my skill set fits what they do. I want to go down there and I'll find a reason. I mean, hell, they're finding reasons for
1: who's little brother to get. If committed. you've got QB next to your name, it's an automatic. You're automatic.
0: <laughs> JT Daniels moved from California to Georgia, and he got immediate approval. I'd like to see those waiver transcripts. I don't know if we can get that. Probably not. It's probably some legal shit, but you can't. But, like, seriously, it's it's really irritating.
1: There, there's got to be some sort of – I mean, I feel like we, we need to move forward and get some of our guys – hey, you know, I know you don't want to see some of these things, but, you know, redact everything that needs to be redacted and say, like, here's an example of what is needed to get an approval and kind of at least share that information. I mean, you can redact this information. I mean, I know there's some some degree where, you know, if there's a specific scenario, you'll know who it is. But if you redact enough information, you can be like, okay, well, this is how they got that approved. Start sharing that information because I feel like there's, at least very, uh, in, I mean, UVAS even having some of these problems. There's definitely yeah. some confusion as to what is needed to get these things approved. If you have the state of Virginia next to your name, we're not giving you approval. We're sure.
0: just, we're just not. Because theirs was also, and theirs was the Hopewell kid, right? Yeah. Coming out of Indiana. Wait a second. He's now an hour and ten minutes from home. I don't think it's a hundred miles between Charlottesville and Hopewell. It is not. Jesus Christ. All right, who knows? All right, let's move on, guys. We got even more to go through here. We've had the food press conference where he said some things. We want to hit some pieces on that. Um, now, let's start with uh, essentially this, Brian, on it. Um, as of this, this is when there have been four practices. There have been more since then. Yep. Um, probably one of the biggest things that came out of this, at least for us, was no additional opt outs as of. That press conference, and as of today, I have not seen anything.
1: Yeah, we, we are th- officially through the camp portion of, of the fall, uh, fall camp getting ready for the season. So um, at this point, there have been no additional opt-outs, um, and that's a good thing because at this point, we know pretty much unless something funky happens or things take a turn in terms of the number of cases on campus or something like that, these kids seem to be locked in and ready to go for yeah. the season. Yeah, he did mention there were some conversations
0: that were had. Um, you know, I, actually getting that out of the win take seems almost like a miracle because yeah. usually he doesn't divulge that type of stuff. But he said there were conversations had. Um, so clearly there were some concerns with guys or maybe just guys questioning things. But as of today, no additional opt outs. Now, now, what has happened is. They've had conversation on the red shirts, but as of that time, no decisions yet. But now with the NCAA saying what they're playing, is it just screw
1: it? Just play them. Yeah, at this point, you might as well play them because they're getting this year, this extra year of eligibility anyway. Um, Everyone is going to roll into next year as whatever their their current standing is, um, which is going to be really strange and hard to wrap our heads around. But again, that's gonna that's a logistical nightmare to sort out later. So yeah, if, if I'm Coach Fuente, I'm definitely if I need to play a guy, I'm playing a guy. And if and if I have a scenario where I can get guys extra reps, I'm getting them extra reps. Hell yeah. That's the biggie right there. It's getting some of those
0: young guys on the field when possible. And I don't care if it's on special teams or situational stuff, but getting them used to the speed of the game where we know it's very tough. Now everybody else can do this too. Um, but for us having, this was a smaller class, it makes it easier for us. Like yeah, we absolutely. 14 guys to get on the field. I think they can get them all on the field in some way, shape or form, which is great to know. Um, now something else that was talked about was how practices are going with all the COVID stuff. And, you know, coach Winton mentioned like we're in face shields and it seems like they're trying to make the drills, the movements quicker and the quick drills trying to avoid a lot of facing time so a lot of constant movement um brian's from someone um you know who went through this you know multiple times at a collegiate level how much of a pain could that be because you guys are creatures of habit
1: yeah i mean the biggest thing is going to be in any of those down periods um just making sure that you're doing the right thing obviously when a coach is engaged um a lot of times it's easier to kind of keep keep in that mindset but i think like for example if there's special teams period and you know you're not in the group and you're you're with a certain unit keeping in mind i need to keep social distance from these group you know when i'm not engaged in practice or engaged in a in a specific drill so i think that's going to be the bigger thing and i think what he said and what i i kind of took away from it is that he's like you know everybody is a stakeholder whether it be you know, trainers on the field, you know, whoever is there needs to be a stakeholder in this thing and holding people accountable. And I think that's going to be the key thing is that, you know, you see something that people need to be more aware of, go ahead and speak up, make it known. Um, he said, you talked about blowing the whistle and getting, uh, getting distance when necessary. So, you know, it looks like everybody is taking ownership in this and he's given people license to, Hey, if you see somebody doing something that's, That's not within our protocols. Go ahead and say something and let's keep this thing moving.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it's good to hear about the whistles and you hear about things like that. But the one thing that really caught my ear earlier this week was James Mitchell, Divine Diablo. Man, if you saw some of their quotes, it sounds like the older guys were busting heads almost um, to the younger guys.
1: Yeah, and that's even more more uh, special for Mitchell since Mitchell still got some eligibility left. And obviously yeah. Diablo being a big leader on the field for us, um, you know, those two guys and along with Trey Turner um, kind of seem to be, you know, some of the big three um, in terms of vocal leadership. Yeah. Um, I definitely think Rook is more of a, a, a leader by example. He, he leads by how he, how he plays on the field, but those three seem to be more of the, the vocal leaders, and it's nice to see them stepping up and saying, hey, this is important to us. We need to do the right thing so we can play and, and show what we're made of and take care of our business in the fall.
0: Absolutely. The, the best line, the best quote is, the upperclassmen tried to let the younger guys know that there will be some type of discipline if they do not follow the rules. It was players who made that rule, not even the coaches. If you want to be here, you have to be in here 100%. Um, and so, yeah, I think the the leadership of this team is just shining through on so many different levels, which is maybe the last couple seasons, maybe that's what was missing um, compared to the first two seasons when you had, you know, 16 with Isaiah and, you know, Evans coming in as a junior and then the next season, you know, you know, Tremaine and Ricky Walker, um, you know, But now you've got all these guys who are growing up and now they're the leaders of this team and they're the dogs who, when they bark, the rest of the team listens.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely been nice seeing these guys really grow into these roles because we did see, you know, the downside of not having more than one or two guys in the locker room um, that were leaders. And even even like, you know, in 18, I mean, we, we had some leaders on the team, but I don't think they were as as vocal as, as this group that we have now. So, you know, there were fewer of them and they just, it just wasn't quite there. And it feels like now you've got guys that have, they played the snaps, they've put in the work and, but they also know how to talk and how to communicate with the team and, you know, let them know, um, you know, what it is to be a Hokie and what we need to do to get the job done.
0: Absolutely. Now, something else, um, Coach Fuente was questioned about Justin Hamilton, Um, and it seemed like he gave him some rave reviews.
1: Yeah, big time. Um, You know, called him the uh, the ultimate communicator, Um, said that he was such a strong leader and that he brings a lot of energy, and that kind of trickles down to the other guys on that defensive staff. And it's nice to see that, you know, it seems like he is also taking the input from some of the guys that are that are more veteran um, that are, you know, at the the other positions, but still being able to be the guy at the top that really filters those points of view and then puts it into a plan.
0: Absolutely. You, You hear so much about him, but, you know, you hear about natural leader and the communicator. And, you know, somebody I know in the that is pretty close to the program. They talk about him on the sidelines and how he connects with his players. And sometimes that's what you need. You need that connection. Um, I mean, Justin Hamilton's our age. He's, you know, he's in his late 30s, mid, late 30s. First of all, that's incredibly young. But when you have guys that young, it's easier for them because the generational gap isn't that big. Um, and, and, And you talk about communicator. We've talked about him in the past. The guy played three different positions in collegiate football. I think you'll know how to communicate and tell guys things just because of having that sort of background, you know, you know, on his belt to say I didn't play one, I played three positions. Two were on offense. Yeah. I excelled on defense and I got drafted on defense. So get, gets a little weight there. Um Brian, you, <laughs> you sent me you, you tweeted me this text that was big was big C dog feeling it? This weekend. Yeah, man. <laughs> um,
1: it, it sounds like uh, some of the practices that they've been having um, have felt a little different this go around. <laughs> and, you know, we, we were talking about it and kicking it back and forth. And I mean, you know, I'm sure it's 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 twofold. I'm sure it's number one, um, a lot less work leading up into it. What in terms of group work, in terms of working yeah. those specific um, type of football things. Um, with the training staff and with the strength and conditioning uh, staff there, you know, leading up to the start of the season. Um, You know, but also there's a lot happening in these practices. You're talking about installs uh, of new defense. You're talking about, um, you know, probably opening up the playbook a little bit more on offense since you've got a returning signal caller and two other guys that have already been in the program. um, One for, you know, having a full off season the other for multiple years. Um, So I think they're probably opening the playbook a little bit more in terms of what they're installing during camp and installing ahead of the NC state game. And they're probably doing a little more conditioning than they would do in a typical fall camp um, just to get these guys back into that playing shape um, because there wasn't as much monitored time in the off season this year.
0: Yep. I think that's exactly what it is. We kind of mentioned they missed the spring practice and then the next thing that goes on is they're missing that summer. And I know they came back in June, but it was different. They had a they, they couldn't quite get in the gym. They had to be in the beamer barn under some very different type workout conditions. So yes, some people can say, Well, they've had more time, but it's like it's different. It's not their typical it's they're out of their element. Yeah. It's usually You know, we we talked about it. Come out January, go into February, you have those hard conditioning workouts, you have a little break, spring ball. Then you have a little bit of break after spring ball, slowly building up your conditioning as you get into fall camp. They didn't have that this year. They essentially, from, you know, March up until late part of June, weren't there. And some of the guys weren't able to get back to campus until July. So really they this yeah. you can say, two months to keep themselves in shape. And don't get me wrong. You can see these guys working out at home, but it's still a little bit different. And thank goodness. Exactly.
1: Good and like you said, some of those guys went three weeks maybe before they started fall camp yeah. on campus. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's good enough to get kind of shake the rust off, but it's not enough to get in in playing shape using a specific – type of equipment doing specific workouts getting pushed by your teammates getting pushed by the strength and conditioning coaches so you know that's definitely completely different i mean i know certain people can handle working out on their own and and get the same amount out of it but that's not going to be everybody
0: exactly uh, something else Coach mentioned was talking about how uh, Fairs, Evan Fairs, Changa Hodges were needed to shore up this wide receiver room. We saw Changa finally on the field today, which is awesome, um, yeah. which, which is good. I mean, you know, again, we, we worry about – we were talking about we are a little thin at wide receiver. I think having these two guys, I, I don't feel as worried anymore, Brian. I feel like we have, again, four guys who played at collegiate level, who've had some success. Fairs has been nicked up but you
1: you see you know he can play. Yeah, and I think the big thing with, uh, with Hodges in now is that regardless of what happens with the Blackshear situation, you've got another guy that you can count on in your yeah. first three or four guys that you could roll out there. Um, because I feel like Blackshear was definitely going to be one of the first four guys that they were sending out there and wide receiver playing from the slot. So... I think that's going to help with that situation and fairs kind of take some of those, um, you know, the, those red zone issues that we would have as far as a big target, um, you know, losing out on a, on a Hazleton and losing out yeah. on Phil Patterson, because you know, those two guys were definitely more of the, uh, the guys we were throwing fades to inside the 10.
0: Exactly. Production. It eases it up, whether it happens with Blackshear or not. And Hey, they can be on the team next year.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> and then, you know, adding to that, uh, we talk about uh, Payute's progress, and that's uh-huh. that's a big thing that um, you know Coach Fuente was talking about during the press conference was how much he's went from a guy that's athletic, you know, great athlete, but now a guy bounds. that looks like a wide receiver.
0: Exactly. He's talk- He said leaps and bounds. Um, Even without this spring, which, A, pisses you off because if he gets those reps in spring, who knows where he is physically? Holy crap. Those pictures that Hokie Sports put out, he looked like a man.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And, and it's funny, they, they, uh, Coach Fuente said he was dealing with uh, with allergies when he first yeah. came on campus last year. And funny enough, that was actually something I dealt with my first year at sydney So I kind of know what he's talking about there. Like w- when they hit hard, especially with getting pushed further than you're kind of used to at a high school level, it kind of kicks your ass a little bit from a conditioning perspective. So um, I definitely understand where he was coming from. Um, with that, because it definitely takes a little more time to get, um, you know, where you need to be, especially for a guy like him that relies on his athleticism um, as part of his game. So, um, you know, seeing him get that under control and now learning the wide receiver position and being able to translate his athleticism into, you know, a specific position specific role on the team. I think that's going to be big for us. And, you know, hopefully we see a lot of him this fall. Um, you know, now that there's some other opportunities a wide receiver for him to step in there.
0: Yeah, and we'll get to some of that later. We're going to give a few more impressions on a couple guys throughout this, but we want to kind of hit everybody real quick here. Um, The next one he discussed, the the running back group, you know, he he said it straight up, he has an experienced group, the freshmen are learning. He did mention uh, Wheatley was dealing with a hamstring injury. As loaded as this room is, just with the number of bodies, that's not good for him. Um, But then, he he, he, and this is what kind of breaks your heart with the Raheem stuff. And, again, we know Fu is close to the vets. Basically, Fu said he has been absolutely remarkable, awesome, and multidimensional through the first four practices.
1: Ouch. And I mean, we've we've talked about it, though. We looked at his tape, and we said that's what he was going to be. So it doesn't surprise me that he said that. It just it, it sucks that given what what came down from the NCAA, at least to this point, um, could potentially put the kibosh on him playing this year, um, despite the fact that he's not only an amazing talent, which we knew he was, but is fitting into what we're trying to do as an offense already. There's a reason he chose us. There's a reason
0: yeah. he chose us, cause he, and I'm sure he was looked at by a lot of people just because of his production, but there's a reason he chose us. Now, um, Brian, the other transfer, Khalil Herbert, looks like he's also just like he's the man already. So, you know, looking like he's the lead back, and for us, we like to see that because now we can say, okay, we've got our one-one true running back. Um, you know, which is awesome. Uh, I have a feeling you, as an offensive lineman, knowing you got that guy back there, it makes you even more excited to get out there and find somebody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you got a guy that you know you can rely on to get get those extra yards, run through some tackles, you know, with the ability to also, once you get out of the open, run away from guys, you know, that makes you want to go out there and, and get everybody that you can, because sometimes, you know, it only takes one block. It only takes one block to open up something big for a running back like him. So, you know, that definitely pushes you harder. And, you know, I like, what I saw on his tape when he was coming in. And it sounds like he's really um, translated that into our offense and had some success in camp so far. So that's going to be interesting to watch and see, you know, if he's going to be really, I mean, the first kind of lead back we've had since, uh, since David Wilson, um, you know, left us for the NFL. I mean, I'm not saying we're, we're talking about that degree of talent, but that's the last time we've had a running back that said, Give me the rock every time you can.
0: Exactly. All right, we move on from transfers to one of the more highly touted recruits. You mentioned um, Devin Hunter. Um, And first of all, Brian, let's address this. We no longer
1: have a rover. The the position is no longer called rover. It is now boundary safety. So if anyone's looking to do a spinoff podcast, you've got a name. You you do have a name now. (laughs) <laughs> um, but such high praise of,
0: um, you know, Devin talking about his leadership, talking about he wants success. He has great work ethic, great attitude. Um, and, you know, you feel Devin's built to play that boundary safety position, strong safety. You know, he's near the box um, and you just hope that he can excel. Because he's the guy that said, Yep, I'll take a red shirt. Yep, yep, I'll continue to grow, I'll continue to learn, I'll continue to sit behind somebody instead of just saying, Okay, I'm out of here.
1: He said yes a lot of times to not getting playing time right away. Um, and for a guy that was as highly touted as he was coming out of the 757, that's been a big thing for us yep. because he's shown leadership, he's shown selflessness. And he's shown work ethic. So, I mean, there's nothing more you can ask for the guy. And, it, you know, we got to see it a little bit in spots last year when he finally got some uh, significant playing time in some games. And we're hoping that he can put it all together, you know, as the guy at that position this year. Um, but in terms of leadership and work ethic and being a guy that's team first, I mean, we can't ask for anybody better.
0: Absolutely. And I hope that he can have the success this year. Um, because of all of that. Brian, we're, when the question was asked, I, I can't remember who asked it. I'd, I'd give him credit right now. Um, but the individual who asked who has the strongest unit, were you shocked by his answer of offensive line?
1: I was not. No. Because I already knew that we had about seven or eight guys that could potentially be starters and not just starters, but good starters this year. Um, you know, he talked about how. You know, Nestor looks like a grown man now. You're talking about a guy that started as a true freshman and probably was a little bit undersized to to step into that role, but did pretty well with it last year. And he's filled out some, so that's going to be, you know, nothing but a good thing. They talked about Luke Tenuta has filled out. He's what do you you say? No longer looks like a basketball player or something like that. Baseball player. He said. Baseball player.
0: Baseball player. I'm assuming he's yeah. No longer looks like a baseball player. player than that and basically he just said in general the young guys just don't look young anymore. Yeah, so so he doesn't look like Randy Johnson
1: anymore. So exactly.
0: And that's great to hear because that means A, that they, they put on the pounds and they played hard. Um I know a couple things that I kind of caught interesting was other than Christian Darasol and Luke Tenuta, um they're the only two guys that have not moved. Everybody else has been moving Around, which I think might shock some people, especially the way Hudson played at center last year, especially the way Nestor played at guard. Um, but we go back to John's interview with this pen
1: Yeah, that, that this is, is what Vice likes. He Vice wants the best five out there, and he will continue shuffling until he finds a group that he likes. Um, and I think just because, I think just based on. Tanuta's body and how he really took to the tackle position right out the gate, Yep, that gave him more of a locked in spot. And then obviously, you know, Christian being Christian and, and being really locked into that position now for several years, that kind of locked him in. I think the one that probably surprised me the most was the fact that they are still moving Lasita Smith around a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think he's going to still end up at left guard um, I think the, the question's going to be, is Brock going to be guard or center? And in the, it, based on that, is Hudson going to be center, or is Nestor going to be guard, or is Hudson going to be guard? But does that matter
0: now? Because the one thing me and you had discussed, I, I can't remember if we discussed it on here, but we discussed offline was, man, we might need to redshirt Nestor. He is a tackle. It doesn't matter anymore. Too. It doesn't. If, if if Doug Nestor's better than Litticus, let him play left guard. If HUD is better at right guard, let him play right guard. Put Brock at center. You're not losing it. For us as a team, this doesn't hurt us as much. It, I feel like this can hurt Blue Bloods more it's going to hurt us because Blue Bloods are expecting guys to move on. You know, a guy who gets a seventh-round grade from Alabama would just say, hey, I'll, I'll move on, I'll get picked up just because of I'm at Alabama. Yep. For us, it's not like that. And to me, man, you love this year in the depth, man, next year it could just be the plethora of, we could feel like, we could feel like one of those teams that has so much depth. It's not funny where it's like, how do we play everybody?
1: It's true. It's true. And, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have. Um, I'd rather have so much talent that, you know, guys maybe have to look at transferring than not having enough. Um. <laughs> So it is what it is. I mean, you know, Doug Nestor, I think, you know, he could play guard. I think he could eventually play right or left tackle as well, um, especially being, you know, six, So he's got the height. He's got the weight now uh, coming in around 315. So, you know, I, I think there's some options here uh, with our offensive line, especially, you know, once we see uh, what, uh, what Darisaw decides to do after this year, if he's going to come back for another year. Yeah, and you know what? uh, What some of these seniors decide to do now that they've been granted a free year of extra uh, of eligibility,
0: it's going to be very interesting. Also, one last quick snippet on the offensive line: Um, uh, Parker has been at tackle, Caden Moore at guard. I don't think that shocks anybody, but in case you guys um, didn't get to see it or read on it, this is where they are. All right, first of all, big shout out here. Um, to TNT tap on Twitter. You got shouted out by coach uh, basically talking about them as cartoon characters and then discussing their working relationship that they've established and um, how they essentially are learning from one another, getting better. He feels like Bill's one of the best established defensive line coaches in any form of football. I don't think, I think you. Definitely agree with that, Brian. And he feels Daryl's going to be right behind him in that place. Um, and it's iron sharpening iron. And I think, you know, you saw some of that video, Brian. And I think that made you, and you've seen some stuff in the past, and made you think some different things about what we're going to be doing on the defensive line.
1: Yeah, it's, it's big time. And I, like, like you said, I think the big thing is that I think they're going to be good compliments for one another because they bring slightly different things to the table, but those things are complementary of one one another. They're kind of like puzzle pieces fitting together. Like whatever one doesn't have, the other can bring to the table. Um, Yeah. Tap obviously bringing the, um, the work ethic, the NFL pedigree um, and just a guy that can really uh, bring practice up and get people hype. And then Bill's more of the guy that, You know, he knows his shit. He is the guy that can run the drills. He's the guy that can push you harder because he knows the technique, can teach the technique. So, I mean, I just – I think we're going to see some big things. Um, You know, we saw from the – some of the tape from camp, um, what they're doing with the uh, the defensive line is going to be different. Um, You know, we're we're no longer – you're going to be looking for a lot more – action out of the, the defensive lineman than we were typically um, used to. So I'm looking forward to
0: it. Absolutely. Now, speaking of defensive line, one guy they're getting to work with and it's been kind of confirmed, Mari Barno has moved to defensive end, which I know you're jacked about. A lot of the Hokie nation's jacked about. Um, hard working kid. He's so, so well-liked and he wants success at this position. Um, and the way he's built – you know, and, and you know, things he's done in his past, you know, you mentioned, like, if, if you want him on the field a lot, this, this is what you've got to do. You've got a really good linebacker. To go. Not to say he couldn't make a great linebacker like Backer, but, you know, get him out there as much as you can and don't
1: hinder him. Yeah, I mean, because of the situation that we're working with, Rook just standing out so much, you've already got Dax and Tiz working, working at Backer. It yep. was going to be hard for him to find a, a significant amount of snaps. But with his build, you know, if you can teach him to put his hand in the dirt and rush the passer, he's going to be a force because he's got the size and speed to cause a lot of problems.
0: Uh, absolutely. And, you know, you, you hear about from the the Fuente presser just talking about, you know, they, 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 they kind of they put it on him. They asked Listen to different options. He wanted to talk to his parents and he got back and he was ready for, to make the move. And this is for the coach and you know, he's taking big steps every day. And I think having Daryl Tapp, I think having Bill Terrell there, I think that is a big reason why they get to work with a 6'6", 240 pound defensive end. That yeah. is a prototype. That is a prototype. And and, you, and since he hasn't played there in a while, he's almost the he's almost the blank canvas in Vegas to paint it.
1: He's the blank canvas, but he's also a guy because he's been in a Division I um, system, in whether it's weight room and things like that, he, he understands the process and he's got the body. He just needs to have that uh, those lessons taught and those technique taught. And I think once he gets the technique down and once he gets... Um, you know, some of those other lessons down and learns the position, he's going to be trouble. He's going to be trouble. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a guy that's going to crack the, uh, the, the one D um, but he's definitely going to be a guy we're going to see in, in certain situations. And he's definitely going to be a rotational player just because somebody with that size and speed can impact plays. All right. Hey,
0: hey, Brian, just, just to, let's clarify this. Justin Fuente has no interest in the commissioner job.
1: Good to know.
0: I, I did not
1: want him to take it. <laughs> oh, you that?
0: No. All right. Next thing that they kind of hit, and this is kind of gonna be um just kind of interesting because again, it, it peels back the layer a little bit. They asked about how it scouts for a different schedule. Um, and you know, you were listening to it, Brian. Basically, during the off season, they sort of start doing some in-depth prep for the first three to four opponents. Yeah. And um, then they do one other complete breakdown of a team. Yep. I guess that's – I'm guessing that's something inside coaching you just do to say, we know we're playing these guys. So let's look at these guys so we can maybe have some comparisons of what we see.
1: Yeah, and he didn't game. say if that was randomized or if he picked it based on a certain scheme yeah. they run or if he picked it based on the level of talent they have. He didn't say that, but he said that's one of the – you know, it's three opponents plus one and probably not one of the other OOC. So probably one conference game on top of whoever the first three opponents are.
0: Yeah. And I mentioned, he said they didn't, things change in camp. They do it again, um, but they do it before camp as well. Um, so now it's completely different. It's in there. The NC state's the opener, um, not Liberty. Um, so, you know, Luckily, they get a few extra weeks there to prep for it. Um, but it sounds like they already have some things installed that they do now. What really stinks is if you look at through the first three or the four opponents, we're only playing what one of them. Uh, so yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Good, good good exercise, guys. Now we yep. have to throw it all Now let's, do now
1: let's uh you know trash that and let's figure out something else. So
0: keep the Liberty notes, keep the Liberty notes. Don't yep. don't trash those. But now we've got to do a couple more. Um, But, again, something, again, pulling pulling the curtain back just a little bit for us, man. All right, so let's hit a couple things, Brian, just overall impressions, things we're seeing, pictures, uh, tweets, things like that. Um, You know, we've already mentioned Peyton's been impressing. And this is my thought of why that kid needs to be on the field. Brian, do you know or did you know that he runs a 10.6700 meters? I do now. <laughs> First of all, that's insanely fast. Yeah. For someone who's not going to be essentially a track athlete. I feel like Cole Beck ran like a ten three last year and Colbeck potentially could be on an Olympic team as one of the relay hundred meter guys. Yep. You convert a 10, six, seven to football type speed. That's legit. Four, four, potentially high four threes. Brian, If nothing else, can we just put that man on the field side and just say, run, run, run as fast as you can, as deep as you can? If Hendon feels like you beat your guy, let him get it to you. Or if you see a team
1: running a lot of man, put him in the slot and run him up the seam.
0: Just seam it. Try to (laughs) let him get by the stage. See, I want on the outside because I think with James Mitchell – and some of the other guys let them feast on the middle because once he beats somebody over the top once, that safety's going to shape sh- shift towards him every time.
1: Yep. What else you
0: think about <laughs> Pete? you know?
1: So, what I'm liking is that, you know, we've talked about it a little bit already, but, you know, he's definitely filled out. So, he looks like a power five wide receiver now. He's learned the position. He he knows the route tree a lot better than he did a year ago. Uh, it sounds like he's kind of the guy that is looking to take a big step from a guy you didn't even see on the field to a guy that you could be talking about at the end of each game. So that's that's, a, that's an impressive step um, for a guy that mostly played quarterback in high school. Absolutely. Um, and I like, you know, what we've heard from some of the, uh, the younger wide receivers as well, some of the incoming freshmen like uh, – Dylan Wright and uh, Tyrese Saunders. Yep. It sounds like you know if we didn't have you know Payute stepping up and we didn't have um, you know guys like Fairs and Hodges coming in from the transfer portal, that these guys might have saw some significant playing time come this fall, and they might still see some of that now that you're pretty much you know you don't have to redshirt anybody this year um, with those new NCAA uh, rules. So okay. that that's impressive for them, and those are two guys that I thought could you know, really crack in and make some, some impact early. And I'm glad to see that they really put that to fruition.
0: Yeah. And, and, and if nothing else, you hope for those two guys, they get a ton of special teams times. I'm yeah. really hoping now that this, this eligibility rule is out there that James shy kind of figures a way to get some of the young guys that could be the potential future starters on the field because get them acclimated to that game speed. Um, we've already talked about Amari. We think that move is great. So many opportunities for him. Um, I told you I'd love to see a Lamborghini package, you know. Then, <laughs> yeah, let him go out there, put Justice Reed inside with Mr. Pollard, um, and you know, maybe put another one of those, you know, you know, let somebody else have the other side and just let's go kill a quarterback.
1: Okay. I, like that. I could I could definitely see that happening. I would like to see that as well. Um, you know, I think we've got some other guys that can, we could mix and match and put some of those packages together. Um, especially when we get got when we either get a team down or if we get a team in an obvious passing um, situation for something out there like that. I'm not, you know, we don't know, we know tendencies of Bud Foster, but we don't know Jay Ham's tendencies yet. So, Right now we can speculate, and it's fun, and I kind of like that a little bit because, you know, it gives us a little bit more to talk about and and see if some of the things that we're thinking in our head end up happening on the field.
0: Absolutely. All right, Brian, let me ask this. We go to the first play against NC State offensively. Blackshear got his waiver. Tell me what you want that look to be. Tell me what it would be like. The one where if you got in a NC State, may be like, oh god, how do how do we defend this?
1: Oh man, putting me on the spot here.
0: Yeah, I got to. <laughs> because Blackshear's that weapon where it's like, uh, you know what? We're gonna go pistol set two two back. Blackshear on Khalil on the right. Big Stone over in the H back spot. Putting Jaden at the X and putting Trey at the Y. I'm leaving Trayvon Austin, Tavon Robinson completely off the field, which is like Jesus Christ. What would be the what would be that set that would just basically make them go, this is not going to be a fun day for us.
1: Oh man, let's see. Hmm. I'm going to go 21 personnel. So we got uh, Khalil Herbert and Blackshear on the field. We're going to motion. uh, Blackshear into the slot, and then we're going to throw a tunnel screen to Blackshear. I hear
0: you. I hear you. Oh, you're already calling first play, man. Just a little tunnel to make them think about. Come back second play. Let's run a sweep out of that. Let's run a jet sweep out of that. You can, run, you can run a jet
1: sweep out of that. I mean, there's I, – I think we're going to run a lot more 21 personnel if Blackshear gets a waiver just because we can motion him into the backfield. Um give him the ball, run the jet sweep with him, throw him the ball in the slot, throw him screens. I mean, there's just so much of the playbook that gets open by having a guy like that on the field because he can really do everything but throw the ball. Heck, Mike can throw the ball.
0: (laughs) Don't be shocked. Yeah. All right, Um, Brian, is there – I'm not even going to put the conference, Brian. you got to note it noted on your conference. Is this the best quarterback room in the country?
1: Yes. Yeah. I say this. I say this. Um, We're there, biased, there might, but. There might be, um, I don't know, <laughs> maybe Ugga, um, but definitely uh, if you just talk in the conference, I, I, I have no doubt about what we bring to the table as a quarterback room. So, um, by all accounts, Hooker's looking good in practice. Um, Burmeister's tearing it up pretty good. Uh, QP looks completely yoked. He looks like a, a tight end. Um, he looks huge. But he can sling it. <laughs> um, so definitely best, best looks- quarterback room in the conference, potentially best quarterback room in the country. is um, probably the only one I would maybe even think would – would be in that conversation that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, you might be able to think of another one.
0: I really can't. I really can't because most is when you get into the third is an unproven guy. Yeah, They might be highly touted, but they're usually unproven. And in this case, it's not all three, all three guys have played in one of division one um, level. All three have had success. And usually you don't see that. Um, so, that's what makes the difference usually if you say one and two is down all right well hey we, we've got a five-star freshman we can throw him out there and, uh, he'll probably do okay but it's still a dice roll yeah. so for me that's why it's you know three guys get to game plan with each one a little something different and if something happens you could hey go do your thing yeah awesome.
1: i mean and like i said the 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 fact that th- all three of them bring something a little different to the table is also key. Um, you know, Hooker's definitely the best all around. I think between co- combining ability to make plays with legs, good arm, can throw the deep ball, um, accuracy. You know, Burmeister's a guy with some some really good athleticism that can also you know sling it down feel a little bit. And then you know, QP is a guy that you know, can run those quarterback powers can. Um, you know, really make guys think about short yardage and he's got a gun. He's got a gun. He's got a gun. He can, he can get the damn ball down the field. So all, all of those things, you know, complement each other in a lot of ways with Hooker being the guy that does more things better, essentially.
0: Yep. More things better, more composed, very, very risk adverse, yeah, doesn't
1: turn the ball over. He's,
0: and I he's think
1: also got those eyes of of a guy that knows, you know, isn't isn't phased by what comes at him during a game. Like that, you look at his that, eyes, he always looks locked in. Like there's not a lot that phases him, good or bad.
0: Absolutely, man. All right, you you made note here, and we've mentioned it earlier. This offensive line, the these are really good players, and probably. Man, Brian, I feel like this might be the best offensive line, in, you know, maybe since the Jake Grove lines, maybe since the Dwayne
1: Brown line. So, 12, 15 years, 12, you know, 17 years. Definitely so the best combination of talent and experience that we've had a good long while, and we're deep. Yeah. Tell me just, just what you're getting, what
0: you're feeling, what you're hearing. Who do you think's our five? that first play. Now we, we, with vice, we feel like he's probably going to, everybody's going to play at some point, but if you think this is how we're going to roll against NC state, what do you think it's going to look like? And, you know, and who's your, I'll let you go seven. I'll let you cheat a little bit. Like these are the next two guys in that'll be immediately rotated in.
1: All right. So let's see here. Obviously we're going with uh, Dara saw it left. Um, definitely think, let is going to be locked in at, uh, left guard. Okay. Um, and I think Tanuta is going to win the battle at right tackle. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's do the easy ones. Why don't you? let <laughs> 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 do these of the way
0: right All
1: right. Place. So I well, think, I think something. Brock is in, in is going to end up slotting at center just based on what I'm hearing from camp. Yeah. Um, and I think that you're probably going to look at Nestor at guard with Hudson and, Uh, Silas being the two swing guys.
0: I I, I think you're right about that, and I think that's the exact combo, too. I think as good as Hudson is at center, Brock almost seems like he has been the leader of those guys, and it makes it easy with Brock because Brock can play left, he can play center, he can play right guard, and he's even spent some time at tackle. So if you're talking about, oh, let's mix it up, well, it's easy to, hey, we're going to take – we're going to take Doug out this series and put in HUD. Or, you know, we're going to let Brock take out this series and put in HUD. We'll move Brock to right. We'll move Doug to left. I think that's the seven. And that's no knock to some of the other guys, man. Again, I've told you I'd love to see us when we get up like 14 on the team, mid-fourth quarter, seven and a half minutes left. Fuente just like, we're running a uh, – we're going to run seven offensive linemen out there with Quincy and uh with Quincy and like Marco Lee or Jalen Holston, just like, we're just going to run power right at you. Boom. You're not by the third time. You're not tackle gonna
1: eligible, tackle eligible. There will be no throws.
0: Though. It's <laughs> like just fire off the ball, find somebody and slam them down. So, yeah, that's,
1: that's my dream.
0: And I'm sure most offensive linemen, that's their dream to put, Seven offensive linemen on the field. Oh yeah, you
1: get you get up late and just throw seven out there and just pound them into submission.
0: <laughs> That's like some crap you do on Madden or the old college football games where it's like, huh? Let me see. I'm gonna put you here. I'm gonna put you here, and I'm just gonna run off tackle. Yep. And you see them in package with,
1: substitution. Put the tackles at the tight end and let's roll. Let's roll.
0: <laughs> and then it's like, we're gonna run. We're gonna run off tackle. So wait a second. Wait a minute. They're in what, – what, this isn't fair to those poor defensive backs. They're about to get smashed.
1: Yep. Then the, the, the computer's dumb enough to be, like, accidentally running nickel one play, and they just get completely annihilated. <laughs> the They have, like, three injured defensive backs on one play.
0: Love it. All right. So we went through a lot here, guys a lot of our perspectives, Coach Fuentes. Um, so this is what we want to ask. Which fresh face do you think is going to provide the most impact this year? Brian, who do you
1: think? Ah, so let. are we pretending that the waiver doesn't get approved, or are, we, or are we saying we can put Blackshear in this puzzle? You can put Blackshear <laughs> in the puzzle. Blackshear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> not that shot. You you've loved that guy since our first episode. Yep. I, I'm gonna go a little different. Last year's big. I think Jaden is the guy. Okay. Since we have since Coach Fuente has been here, he has not had somebody with that type of a lead speed on the outside. And you you talked about a lot of the stuff Fuente and Cornelison like to do. If you have that one guy that can take two guys with them out of the box, you think of the space for Blackshear. You think of the space for Trey Turner. You think of seam routes for James Mitchell. You think of lanes for Herbert. You think of running lanes for Hooker. I think if he, if it's just that post and getting him on some screens to use that athletic ability, I think this offense, which it's, admit it, let's, let's admit it, that anybody wants to come out there and go hard at Fuente's crew. Our offense has not been bad. No. Has not been bad since he stepped on campus.
1: And it's especially if you, if you just look at the hooker games from last year, it was pretty damn good. It was damn good against
0: some, and some damn good defenses at that. So I feel like he's the guy that if that fresh face that provide the most impact, I think you will, because I think you put him out there. The scouting reports are going to say on him he's freaking fast. Yep. You're going to see that free safety. He's not going to be ten yards. He's going to be twenty, because he knows if you know my left cornerback gets beat and I'm not twenty yards back, and they put it on the money, it's a house call.
1: Yep, yep. And this is this is no uh, disrespect to guys like uh, you know Herbert or Barno that are potentially going to see some big impact this year as well. So. Um, no, you, to Hoffman,
0: to yeah. Barno, to Hoffman, to all these guys, to Changa Hodges coming in, even to Devin Taylor, who we mentioned. It's yeah. no disrespect to them, but we just kind of – you see Blackshear as I see Jaden. You see them that if we get the ball with things we do on our offense, how they can affect the game. It goes us from being where we've been the last few years, somewhere between about 60 and 35, to potentially being a top 20 top 15 offense.
1: Yeah. And if that happens, watch out. I think the difference between our picks is that I see how Blackshear can directly impact things. And you see how if Peyo can do these couple things really well, how much it'll open up everything else in the offense. I think that's really the two differences between our picks there.
0: Exactly. All right. So that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. My name is Curtis Wilson.
1: I'm Brian Siegler.
0: Follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite source, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. Thank you always for listening. And as always, let's go.
1: Okies.